Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that presents two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Chloe Gong, the number one New York Times bestselling author of the YA duology, These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends, as well as her latest book, Foul Lady Fortune. Chloe is joined by Tashi Buyan, author of the YA novels Counting Down With You and A Story For Two. In this wonderfully exuberant conversation, these ex-roommates extol the benefits of including suggestions from friends into their books, examine Chloe's sighing problem whenever she writes, and revisit the origin story of Harry Styles following Tashi on social media. Spoiler alert, between offering great insight about the craft of writing, they laugh a lot. Inspiration starts now. Hello, Tashi. How are Hi, you Chloe. and your cat? I'm good. My cat is good. Yesterday, I cut my cat's nails and he hissed at me for the first time. I know. And it really stressed me out. I was like, oh my God, I, why would he hiss at me? I saw it on your, you either put it on some pro or some close friend. You said he got mad and that was really sad yeah. to imagine. Have you ever cut yeah. your cat's nails? No, I'm not the one responsible for all of my cats, like, you know. Mm that kind of stuff. My brother does that. He does the litter box. He does the feeding. I he just is the, fighting like, for his life. Thing. Yeah. I get the nice pots. He gets the smelly pots. My brother tried to meet my cat and my cat literally bit him. Like <laughs> he tried to pet him and my cat bit him. And I was like, you know what? So true. So I true. can't I'm wait to meet your cat. cat. I can't believe I still haven't met him. I know. It's just a matter of time. I mean, it's like five days. You'll meet him in like five days. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, um, I gotta, but I gotta. speaking of cats, have you ever speaking thought about putting a cat? Have you ever thought about putting a cat in one of your books? Like, is that a I thing have, you consider? I already have put a cat in my book. So <gasps> I wrote my cat. Wait, I told you this. I, I, I know. Wrote, I was joking. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote my cat into my adult fantasy debut. Um, and I got art from a book subscription box that I won't name yet because it hasn't been officially announced, but they officially drew my cat, but it's not my cat, technically my protagonist's cat, uh, except since I, yeah, since I modeled my protagonist's cat after my cat, I officially have fan art of my cat. Of cat. And it's, I honestly think that's the best part of being an author, you know? Okay, wait, you know, know. you're really funny though. If you like did one of like a, like a giveaway for one of your books and you're like to win like submit art of my cat like draw my cat because like I feel like drawing a cat isn't that hard that anyone could do it you know yeah so I well it also depends really <laughs> it depends on what the criteria would be then like if we're going for real realism or if we're going mm. for like like I feel like I would personally choose a winner where they just drew the fattest stick cat. Not a well, stick you can't cat. tell them that. I think you just have to say, like, the cat picture that entertains me the most, you know, mm. and just leave it up to them. So fair. So fair. I just think there's so that, much then You would just get such found. huge cats. Oh, you're so right. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna put a pin in that idea and sit It'll it up. It'll be like Immortal Longings promo. Yeah, Immortal Longings promo. So exactly. people, people can look forward to that. It'll be a while until I start Immortal Longings promo because it's set to come out summer of 2023 but everyone can be on the lookout for that and they can prepare their cat art skills exactly exactly you have so many months to prepare for that um but tashi we should probably start from the beginning rather than go into cat conversations i i had some notes prepared before our conversation okay. and I thought, yes 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 I, yeah yes. okay i thought we should start our conversation by talking about how we actually met as friends you know okay so yeah yes. you you tell the story from how how you recall okay. it so <laughs> i remember i had overheard something about chloe's books from a source a source, <laughs> a source. and so i was like so true and then i saw chloe announce her book deal on twitter from publishers weekly when she first announced these violence lights and i was like oh so true so i followed her and I replied to her tweet and I was just like, oh my God, like this sounds really incredible, whatever, whatever. And Chloe being the humble queen that she is, followed me back, even though <laughs> I had literally no, no, oh like, my God, At agent point, or book deal or anything. Tashi, 
at that point you literally had like what 14,000 followers or something because you had like an online account like active from your okay, like but the reason you know, I had like 14,000 followers like 40 followers <laughs> no but the reason I had 14,000 followers is because Harry Styles follows me on Twitter exactly <laughs> so you were you were the one who I was like oh my god like I'm basking in the presence of someone that Harry Styles follows Okay, I guess that's fair. That's fair. Well, thank you, Harry Styles, for somehow leading to this circumstance. Right, right. Like, he he did what he had to do. Maybe I should, like, thank him and, like, my acknowledgement for that. Be like, thanks for introducing me to Chloe Gong. You should dedicate a book to him. Oh, my God. Maybe maybe I will. Maybe I have. Maybe I will. Maybe I have. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was, like, the origin origin, but there's more levels to it. Yeah. Well... So after that, that was like our online intro. And then I think yeah. the next time we talked properly was, it was me, right? I messaged you because I was in my school library doing research mm-hmm. on these mild delights. So I was in the like 1920s China section, sitting on the cold floor, like reading these textbooks because I didn't want to check anything out. That, that's an important detail. Right. I was sitting right. there reading because I was too lazy to actually take all of the books down to the counter and check it out because I went to the University of Pennsylvania and that library is ginormous. I was not going to go lugging everything out. And then I think that's fair. <laughs> and then at the other side of the corridor, I see this guy who looks exactly like Gansey from the Raven Cycle. And I just randomly text Tashi. Well, I didn't text Tashi. I DM'd Tashi on Twitter. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, Tashi, I see this guy here who looks exactly like Gansey from the Raven Cycle. And I actually have no idea why I specifically texted you that. It Maybe must have been we because had, we had some conversation. Yeah. yeah, we must have had some, like, on Twitter, like, through mentions. Like, there must have been yes. some conversation. Or, like, we were talking about research or something. Because at the time, I'd all, we were both in college. Mm. So maybe it had some like, some kind of connection there. Yeah. The details are fuzzy. But either way... For some reason, at that exact moment in time, you were the only person that I could tell and then send a really creepy picture to. Of no, because you know, I remember what happened because I feel like you were like, oh yeah, I saw him. And I was like, oh my God, like take a picture. Like, what does he <laughs> look like? Yeah, because I didn't believe you. So I was like, send a picture. Like, what? And she was like, oh, like it's only the back of him. And I was like, no, just send it anyway. <laughs> yes, and then I took that really creepy picture and then I saw him again on, like, outside the library, like, on the Yeah, you house. were, like, walking, yeah. Yes. And when I took another picture, you were like, here's my phone number. We are setting up a Gansey hotline so that I could send a picture every time I saw this guy on campus. But the funny thing was that you never saw him again. <laughs> I never saw him again. I was like, oh, my God, like, a fictional character looked right out of the book. Like, this is so exciting. This is so fun. And then... Nothing. Never again. But you know what? If it's meant to be, I think you'll run into him again at some point, you know? Like, but it was so funny because then I like your emojis, like on my phone, because I give everyone emojis, are like (laughs) the boat shoe. It's like a crown and like a ghost. Because I think he's like the. Yeah, Yeah, there are ghosts in that book series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't remember if it was that I sent a screenshot directly to my agent but there was one time did I send you this there was one time where I was sending Laura so Laura's my agent and I was texting her something that Tashi had told me and she was like what are those emojis and I was like you know what it's it's a lot to explain oh no it was on my story I posted a screenshot of you on my Instagram yeah, story yeah, 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 yeah. and my agent replies and she's like ghost shoe crown and I'm like yeah it's a long story there's levels to it <laughs> Right, but it's it's so funny because like it had nothing to do with writing, you know, like that. Like we became friends. Like it related to books, but it didn't. Right, yeah, yeah. It was like a little tangential. But then after that, we just like were always texting each other about like random things, random things. But I think that's really representative because we both came into the industry as like YA readers like you know because we're we're like the first few people who are coming in where we were like oh my god like books because these were the ones that were big during the YA boom and then that's the stuff that we talk about rather than like hmm 
what did you write in chapter so and so today? Instead, we're like, right. oh, you want you want to see this man I just saw in the library bookshelf? <laughs> and like that was kind of right of I think it's it's also <laughs> so weird now that those people that like wrote those books are like our colleagues. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, I remember like five years ago, just like being on the internet, like losing my shit about their characters. Yeah, yeah, and now we can lose our shit in front of them. Right. We can like literally use our position to be like, hey, do you have any art? Like early, early copies <laughs> I could get? Like, oh. and we do it professionally, you know? We do right. it, we do it, we do it professionally. We're like, big fan of your work. And deep inside, we're like, I would literally lay down my life for you. Do you know that? Oh my God. But then out loud. your favorite like, author is so crazy. Like, it's so crazy. It is. Because you have to really maintain your cool. Like, yeah. What, you don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to just be, like, saying absolute gibberish. You still want to sound right. eloquent to properly express your love for their craft and the kind of stories they tell. Right. But then sometimes, also, your love is just so overwhelming that all you can really think is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. That's so weird. Well, it's, and also, it's also weird because, yeah. Yes, no, I keep going. No, keep going. No, you go ahead. We have a lag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was going to say, it's also weird thinking about how in a few years that might be, like, younger authors about us. And it's great. It's such a a lovely cycle, you know? Yeah. Like, the cycle of, like, being able to admire someone's work, taking, taking, like, love and inspiration from what they do, and then being able to do that yourself with so much love and then to pass it on right it's just yeah. a continual cycle of like you know yeah, really re- really great art moving in and out but also i was gonna say it's it's not only great in the in the you know the generations that move by i'm not gonna generations as in like eras not generations as in like you know ye old victorian yeah. times but it's really fun um among pairs as well. Like, I think that's something I didn't realize coming into being an author, that as you become really, really good friends with people whose work you admire and you start on similar levels, you talk about these things in a way that is just so, I guess, like, intimate and fun, right? In the same way, we're, we're, we're going to kind of be discussing our books with each other. And you, you're, you'd say something like, oh, my God, but what if this happened? And then you're like, oh my God, like that's such a good idea. Or like you're listening to your friend like talk about yeah. their latest idea and you're like, wow, I can't wait until I get to read that. Yeah, like it's really crazy to think about like we are the people we would admire kind of if you think about it. like, you know, like and to know that we actually like get to talk to each other and be friends with each other and like contribute to each other even in like the mm. smallest sense, like it's like I think like there's like that like that concept where people are like oh my god like I wish I could talk to my favorite author and be like change this like (laughs) and I'm like but the thing is like we can do that to each other we can be like why would you do this like wait yeah think about how this could be better before it even like actually goes to press exactly and it's so like it's there's there's the part of it where it's just fun to do that among friends and then there's the part of it where it's actually so incredibly useful on a crop level yeah. right because it pushes you to do things and consider things that you wouldn't otherwise because I right. would always work as a very solitary person and then we like I, I would just have you as a room for anyone who doesn't know me and Tashi lived together last year yeah <laughs> we literally <laughs> shared a wall so there would be times I'm literally looking like, at our shared couch on the screen right now and I miss her oh yeah I miss our couch yeah I, I took the couch in the uh in our in, in our, the divorce in our res- <laughs> Respectful separation. <laughs> I got custody of the couch. <laughs> it's okay. I have I have visitation rights. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, when are you gonna pay couch? What what's it called? Child support fees. Couch support fees. I'm working on it. I'm working on. You're working on it. Good. Good. I'll expect the check soon. Anyhow. <laughs> Yeah, there were times where in my early stages of like brainstorming things, I I think the one specific example I remember is before I wrote Immortal Longings, you were like, okay, but what if the villain was blonde? (laughs) It was like so (laughs) self-indulgent. And I was like, Tashi, 
they're all Asian. I don't think they can be born blonde. And Tashi was like, um, hair dye exists. And I was like, actually, you make a really good point. Because someone who would constantly put resources into bleach blonde dye points to a personality trait where they're very well-maintained. They care about appearances Thank a you. lot. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Know, in a world where... blonde right now. <laughs> I was like, you make a really good point. And then it became a canon plot point that I think makes the book a lot stronger, you know? It was so funny because I remember you were telling me about a scene where, for some reason, this character's hair is not blonde anymore. And they're so upset <laughs> about it, too. And I was like, that's so, that really is like a characteristic trait at that point. Like It, it is. It is. It, it's not just, it's not just like a... It starts as a detail where you're kind of just like, huh, wouldn't that be funny? But then the more you push at it, the more you prod at it, the more it actually right. becomes something of prof value. And I think that's so Yeah. Funny. Yeah. So it was literally just us being silly, but then it like actually worked into something that was like, yeah. It's like that thick. Yeah. It's like that thick you wrote for my birthday, which we weren't, oh my we weren't God. explicitly for, clear what that was. Right. We won't say what it was about, but for Chloe's, birthday last year yeah last year two, right two years ago no two years, two years ago, ago right yes no yeah two years ago I would have been some birthday yeah some birthday, <laughs> some birthday um I was like constantly making jokes to Chloe about Roma from these lights about a certain thing <laughs> about Roma and she was like this is so ridiculous but like in, a, like, <laughs> you know, in an exasperated fond way and I was like hmm, <laughs> Chloe's birthday is coming up so what if, and I literally sat down and wrote like 6,000 words of fan fiction about Roma and this concept. And it was so funny because like I was saying I was going to do it and I don't think anyone believed me that I would actually mm. do it. And then it was done. And the concept is like a really funny concept. But then by the time we get to the end, it was like actually like genuinely emotional. And like, <laughs> it was just really funny and ridiculous. And I was like, what if I uploaded this to archive of our own and nobody knew it was me? I didn't do it, but it would have been funny. But it would have been so funny. No, I mean, I think the funniest part of that was the running gag the entire time was something just really absurd and funny. But the entire fic was like the lead up to that. And it wasn't actually the absurd part. Like it was like yeah. 3,000 words of like banter and then like a huge emotional, like, you know, grappling point. And then like right. the last 1% was like. The, right, the last 1% was like, and then Roma, blah, 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 blah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, it was yeah. like that. One of the gags about that was that Roma can't swim. That was like part of the part of the joke, yeah. part, like, yeah. and it was so funny because then I was like, Chloe, can you actually make it so that he can't swim? And she was like, I think he already swam in book one, or I would. <laughs> so that that's the kind of influence that I think we can have on each other as you know peers in the industry. Right. We're really influencing canon, and then it goes out to the reader, and the reader's kind of like, so what was what was the inspiration for that detail? You know. Right. When I was writing a show for two, I remember I sent Chloe a scene and I was like, oh, like, look at this. And she was like, make him make him take his shirt off more. Like, yeah. I don't think he needs his she's like, I don't think he needs his shirt on that often. Like, like, because in the book, my love interest, he has a tattoo. And Chloe was mm. like, we need to see more of the tattoo. I was like, where is it? Why is he going to have where the tattoo it? if we don't see it more often? And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely correct. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, why would I include that without doing that? <laughs> I think I think also one of the, like, one of the big reasons why these conversations keep coming up with us so often as we're writing out books is that it, it's less so now, actually. But at that time, when you were writing a show for two, it would have been two years ago. So, yeah, we were 1920. Yeah. 2021-ish. Yeah. So the characters we were writing were of that age so the way age. that we yeah. yeah the way that we treat them was so i guess friend wise right like you're envisioning like yeah. what do i want to see specifically right. me as an indulgent reader in periphery yeah. to the author right so tashi would send me a scene where emmett was like 
I'm pretty sure the original version of it was that he was leaning towards the door and you had a descriptive yeah. line that said you could see the tattoo peeking out yeah, yeah, from right. his shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I was sitting there yeah. like, I was sitting there like, why is it peeking out? Why does he have to have that shirt on to begin with? And you were like, you know what? Your points so were right. made. <laughs> no, like it was so right. Like originally it was like he had just like, he was meeting her at the door. He'd just finished showering. So he was like running a towel through his hair or whatever. <laughs> and then Chloe was like, well, if he just came out of the shower, like maybe he didn't even get, like he was rushing to the door. So he didn't even get a chance to put his shirt on. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. Like he can just grab the shirt on the way back up. Like he doesn't need yeah. his shirt right now. He'll find it when he needs it. And I was like, that's a characteristic, right? Someone who is punctual, who gets the door as soon as he hears the doorbell ring, you know? But also that he was so eager to see her. Exactly. He was so eager to see her that he didn't even put on a shirt. He was like, I just need to go. Exactly. It's craft work. If you think about it, it really is. Yeah. If you think about it, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, uh, uh, worthwhile like beta reading critique contributions right yeah right. yeah yeah <laughs> that's how i design kind of our right acknowledgements <laughs> right that's, 100%. That's <laughs> yeah. that was what you did for society and i did great things for society for society in that you know okay as you should i have a question here in my little mm-hmm. brainstorm in my notes app mm-hmm. um where I want to know what changes have you seen in the books that you've been writing as you get further into your career? Do you think, do you think there's been a evolving sense, so to speak, or do you think there are certain themes or brands you're always going to be circling around? You know, what's so interesting is that like when my friends read my books, they always say, and I feel like this is probably like how it should be, to be honest, Mm. but they're like, each book is like better than the previous Mm. one and like Mm -hmm. and I feel like that makes sense like that you would be improving your craft every single time so I feel like I can notice like just when I'm drafting like that it feels Mm. cleaner like that Mm. I'm kind of like recognizing the problems as I'm going so I feel like the actual like physical process of drafting is a lot more smoother than it used to be Mm. like I remember like writing my first like stories and being like what like what I don't even know what's going on right now I started from writing fanfic and then when I started college I started original fiction but so I was like I don't know how to develop an original character because I never really had like put that and it's like stuff you don't think about when you're just like because you're just writing fic you already already have like a setting a character like there's like a lot of stuff provided for you so you're mostly practicing like your actual like writing techniques and stuff but Mm. you don't think about how like so much world building and character building goes into an original novel but Mm. now it kind of comes really easy for me because I've done it like a few times and like I kind of build those characters in my head from the get-go but I do think like at the central theme of my stories like I do kind of carry like the same kind of concept of just like what like is true to like what I want to tell readers like young readers Mm. so I feel like it's even if it's like reinvented in like a different way I do feel like the heart of it stays the same throughout every single story and I feel like I've kind of seen that in your stories too where like the heart of it still resonates it's it's as if with every book we write we're kind of leaving the same sort of fingerprints even Mm -hmm. if the questions that we ask differ a little or right you know, the things that we're concerned with at that moment in our lives leads to different types of stories, I guess. Yeah, because I agree. I think in some of my earlier books, um, so I had always started out in original fiction, but in the ones that I started out with, I guess my concern was always just telling myself a story and not really doing anything that was, uh, that, that felt like it had greater depth to it if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because some of my earliest stories, I'm like, you know what? I want to write a book about a girl who just gets everything and I'm going to have fun with it for 30 chapters. And that was around right. the time in like 2013 where the word Mary Sue was everywhere. Ooh. And I remember finishing my book back then. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I did. And, you know, sometimes the word Mary Sue got thrown around uh unjustly because it was just yeah. a critique on female characters 
but the thing that it aims to critique is just some character that is perfect and like doesn't doesn't really have any sort of conflict at all and I think some of my earlier manuscripts were kind of like that it's like I was really I feel like trying to... when you first start off writing you just kind of want to get to the happy ending like you know like yeah. you don't want to make your character suffer but now I have fun <laughs> making my character suffer now I'm like this is a blast mm. like I, guess I was just thinking about the, yeah. oh wait no go on uh, I was just thinking you know that concept like with like fan fiction where it's like oh like when readers are reading it they're like how like why am I not tired of reading like the same two people fall in love mm. 500 different times whereas I feel like with our books it's kind of the opposite where it's like why am I not tired of like different characters falling in love mm. like in the same kind of concept because I feel like every time like you write a book like since the characters are different the book is always obviously mm. going to be different but it's kind of like if you place like your other characters in that story it might play out the same way like you know what I mean right like well as you were saying with it's like when you first set out you just want to get to the happy ending I think one of the things that you start learning the more you write is that putting the characters through a certain amount of like angst and drama is actually what creates the character I think that's one of the huge yeah. differences between like building stuff of your own versus like when we read fix, we really love reading the same, the same thing happening over and over again, because those characters have already been built so clearly in your head. And I think that yeah. as we're writing new books, the number one thing is like, how do I make a reader care about these people? How do I make a reader feel invested in these complete make-believe original concepts that they've never been in contact with before? How do I make them care? Right. Right. And it's like, by the time you've reached the end of the book, you want to be in that place that then people are actually inspired to write fan fiction about. So that you're really just following these characters right. because they felt fully formed in a reader's head. You know what's fun for your books is that you are kind of, it's obviously not fan fiction because they're your original characters, but you've already had Rosalind, the main character of Fowl yes. and Fortune, mm. in these violent delights and our violent mm. ends. So there are already like readers who are invested in her. Like for example, my mm. favorite character is Rosalind. So like even though like she didn't play like the role that Juliet played as the main character mm. in those books, we still got to see her and kind of learn about her and watch her suffer quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Quite a <laughs> bit. <laughs> so you I kind of that. already set the stage for Foul Lady Fortune. Yeah. Well, that was like the most like fun thing that I think I could have done craft wise as I went into like professional book three right because it is like I think as a writer I always want new challenges like I think it's, it, I would personally get a little bored if I had to stick with kind of the exact same formula for a long time and so as I went mm -hmm. into Fowlady Fortune I was like I'm not as interested in you know starting a book like four years after the events of our ends. Yeah, well, either from scratch or following someone that you kind of already have, uh, like, that you, that you already know what to feel about, right? Because when we announced Fire Lady mm. Fortune, there was, there, there were a lot of questions, um, like, who the readers main character just, would be. Yeah, well, there were a yeah. lot of, like, questions from readers who really loved the books about, like, oh, what about Elisa or what about Celia? And I really love those characters in like these Violent Delights and in their like, you know, more minor main character roles in Fowl Lady Fortune. But these are quite lovable characters already. Like their setup is right. that they have already um, treated the protagonist well. They have kind of had their narrative arcs that set They've them, like gained the trust of the reader. They've gained the trust of the reader and they're like good guys almost. Whereas Rosalind did not end that duology well, like quite intentionally, right. she, 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 you know, she wasn't likable in the traditional sense because she betrayed the protagonist and all of that. I don't think that's too spoilery for anyone who hasn't read the duology. It's, you kind of feel, you feel that energy coming. So don't worry if I kind of spoiled you, but it, it was just so much fun to start something like that where the goal is to make you understand something because it's not like she ever changes as a character. It's that right. the perspective is now on her and you're seeing the world through her eyes and it hopefully changes a reader's uh, understanding of what's going on. Not that, you know, she yeah. changes as a person. Like she does learn, 
she does reflect she does go on a redemption arc like in the in but like the what she end. did in like the original two books like doesn't change it's like not yeah like, oh my god suddenly the reason why she did this is yeah. completely different yeah it's like it's still the exact same reason why she yeah. did what she did yeah oh i hate it when hollywood movies do that when they write yeah. And they're like, actually, this big event that you thought happened in the previous movie didn't happen that way. I'm like, well, what was the point of that then? You right, like, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. What was, I remember when I was reading Our Violent Ends, I was like screaming in your text messages, like just bloody fair, like I was sending voice notes, just like losing my mind. And I remember you made like a fan cam of just like my reactions. But yes. it was so funny because everyone thought I was reacting to what was happening to Roma and Juliet because they're the main characters yes. of the book. But like 60% of those reactions were just me being like, oh my God, Rob. <laughs> well, I, I also think that's fascinating because by the time you had been reading Our Valent Ends, you already knew that I was going to write Fallady Fortune about Rosalind. So you were like prepared for the angst that was coming and every small thing I had sewed into our violent ends, you were right. like, no, picking up on it. <laughs> I was literally like, I was so, I also like, I do love like a good, like villain love interest. Type thing. And I like, I, Rosalind's not a villain by any means, but she is kind of like on the gray scale of like morals and stuff like that. So I feel like because of that, I was also kind of drawn to her. So like, like when I read books and the villains are doing terrible things, I'm kind of like, okay, but wait, we should think about why they did that. Because what if they didn't mean it like that? So I, was like, <laughs> when I was reading our violin and I was like, no, 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 no. We have to think about why Rosalind would do that. Like, you don't know her side of the story, guys. Like she has levels to her she's I really love, it I really love that like your villain standing also still comes from like this loving part of you you know what I mean like you, you still come yeah. at it from like a very like no like we need to see like from their perspective whereas sometimes I really love supporting wrong things you know what I mean you know, you know that saying yeah. online right now, like I support women's rights, but I support women's wrongs. But I support women's wrongs. More. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially in adult fantasy, because there's so much more room to kind of look at like the complications and the nuances. Mm. Sometimes I just like characters being bad for no reason. Like it's really fun to mm. witness. Because in reality, like you're not gonna condone that. In reality, it wouldn't be fun to look at. Yeah. But in in the like freedom the and acceptance of fiction, yeah. it's so fun. For sure. I definitely think also like once you read like some things and you like knowing like kind of like their backstory, even if it doesn't justify it, you're kind of like, yeah, mm. well, what about it? Like if I was in this situation, <laughs> I'd probably start swinging too. Like, sorry. <laughs> it's so true. Here are two brief messages from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Carrie Mayer, author of the national best-selling book, The Paris Bookseller. So I'm not just a writer, I'm an avid reader. And since Always Authors is sponsored by Bookfinity, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. Bookfinity is a website that is built by readers for readers. So you can get personalized book recommendations, create and share your book lists, review books, and refer friends to earn rewards. You start by taking a quick quiz to discover your reader type. And once you complete the quiz, you'll be taken to your My Bookfinity account. I took the quiz and got my reader type. I am a heroin addict, which is so accurate because I do love strong female leads. Now, when I log into my Bookfinity account, I will get personalized book recommendations based on my reader type. Bookfinity also has a like it or lose it function, so I can quickly like the books that I'm interested in or lose the ones that I'm not. And it has a unique review system that goes beyond a star rating. I love that I can review a book based on how it made me feel and recommend it to others. To get started, visit bookfinity.com and take the reader type quiz and create your personalized account today. Buxton Books is proud to be a season sponsor of the Always Authors podcast. Buxton Books is located in downtown Charleston, South Carolina on King Street 
and we are a full-service, independent bookstore that also specializes in presenting one-of-a-kind literary events. Please come visit us in Charleston or online at buxtonbooks.com to purchase books and to receive our newsletter for information on events and booksellers' recommendations. We ship anywhere in the United States and internationally. Happy reading from Buxton Books. You really think about what we put our characters through sometimes, and you're like, why are more of them evil? Oh my god, my my friend Lynn literally sent me a birthday present the other day, and it's like a cup, right? And it's like for all the tears for like your character. Oh my god. She named like the characters over, and she was like, "I want you to take shots in this for the amount of pain you put me through." And I was like, "It's like a big cup too." I was like, "I'm not taking a shot in that." Like she was like, "But I think you that's incredibly it. valid." Like, I think that is incredibly valid. But you know, at the moment, in, in, in your contemporary books, I think right. one of the things that I walk away with is, oh, that was so sweet. And then I read your fantasy books and I'm like, what the fuck did you just do? Right, you like, know? Oh. It's about the range. <laughs> it's about the duality. Exactly. Um, I feel like it's exactly. a lot easier to put characters through like extremes like that, though, in like in fantasy and sci-fi mm. and like kind of universes like that where it's like in a contemporary I feel like if anybody killed anybody I'd have to be like bro like you need to go to jail like you can't you can't be in this book anymore like you need to go to jail <laughs> for real like this is not okay <laughs> but I think I think they also come with different types of conventions that really let you get to the, like the nitty-gritty of a character because I think in fantasy a lot of the time we'll use like you know murder and betrayal to kind of like portray parts of a character's like morality or like stuff like that right but then I, I remember I remember this one inline comment that I left on when you sent me like one of the early drafts for a show for two there's this one line where I think it's Emmett who just grabs like just grabs someone's ankle I don't even know if it was either way yeah, 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 I, remember, yeah, yeah. I remember specifically it was an ankle grab and I left a comment. I was like, Tosh, you are so good at these tiny details. Because who else thinks about inserting an ankle grab? You know, like you have to form that image in your head first and right. then put it onto the paper. And then that paper like comes up to the reader to create like certain certain attributes. It's to like it, it becomes like, like so huh. vivid. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, that is so fascinating that contemporary will kind of play into these tiny little you know, character mm. moments that build to a bigger whole, whereas fantasy kind of sometimes just does a big, big moment that leaves smaller. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like contemporaries have so much room for like playing with like tiny, like tidbits of emotion, like you know, like kind of like mm. you're strumming like a guitar type of thing. Whereas like with fantasy, it's like you already broke the guitar, and now you're like, oh my god, like <laughs> I have to live with the aftermath of this, and it's like kind of up to you as the reader I think to kind mm. of form like what those like strums were as a fantasy mm -hmm. reader whereas like you get to see like each vivid one with a contemporary and both are like enjoyable in like different ways can that you tell I'm writing a book about music yeah. right now I was I was just about to say I was like that is a very interesting metaphor that you're circling around would you like to tell us a little about the uh, project that you're working on right now <laughs> Do some All I can say song, you know. is that there's there's music, there's bands. It's very me on brand for me. I think if you know mm. me, like that, I would write a book about a band and music and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's in the works. I'm drafting right now, so that's fun. How's it going? How's the drafting going? It's good. I I still have to write. I haven't written today yet, so I have to write. Uh -huh. But it's so interesting having deadlines now, like as an author, which is something like you didn't have like before you got an agent and mm. like got published and stuff like that. Because like you were kind of just mm. writing for yourself. I'm like, you're still kind of writing for yourself, but now you're like, I'm also writing for other people, you know? Oh. Yeah. It, it's changed my process a lot because before I had deadlines, I used to write whenever I felt like it. But now I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. if I don't sit down and get this amount of work done, then I won't make a deadline. And that has professional consequences. So it's kind of like, right. it's not really a matter of waiting for the muse to strike anymore. It's sitting my ass down on a chair and being like, I need the muse to get here right now or else I'm going to hunt you down. <laughs> like, I, oh my I, God. I, it was, I remember <laughs> last year when we were, when we were living together, like every time I'd pass your room, you'd be sitting, oh my God, but I'd be sitting in the living room on the couch and just watching TV or doing whatever. And in the distance, I would hear, 
<sighs> yeah, I developed a sighing problem. <laughs> when I, when I would just be dinner. writing, and then you would just hear a sigh, and you'd be like, oh, Chloe's writing right now. <laughs> when I'm on deadline, I get a bit stressed, like just in a state of being. I think when your brain is working really hard, like, you know, stress is natural. And it's like, as long as you're not overstressed to cause yourself, like, you know, bodily harm, right? Um, I, I would go under a normal amount of stress and I developed a sighing problem. Like if I wasn't conscious about it, every 10 minutes, I would heave a sigh. And it was really strange. Like <laughs> every so often, sometimes Tashi would call up in the living room being like, you good queen? And I'd be like, yeah, why? And you'd be like, you just sighed really, really loudly. And I'd be like, oh, it's bad. <laughs> It was like, I was like, oh, she's going through it. Like, Godspeed over there. Well, I was I was going through it last year. My deadlines were really intense last year. I mean, they are still intense, but um, they were really I mean, now, year. like, everyone knows, like, because it's all officially announced, you have three separate projects coming out in 2023. Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, understandable that you were <laughs> under a lot of pressure. <laughs> I mean... At the time of my sign problem, I say that as if I'm already over my sign problem, but it's still here. At the time of that, I was drafting the origin of your sign story. Yeah. And it was, I think it was, it was worse in, in like a craft sense. It was worse than any other thing that I've done in terms of like my, my output, because for the first time I was writing something with professional uh, pressures that wasn't a direct sequel and was taking, you know, a completely different tone. Because Fallon Fortune tonally is very different to these non-sides and ends. So I was right. going to that project being like, oh my God, like, is this too similar? Is this too different? All of the things that like people talk about when you're writing, um, you know, there's this thing called second book syndrome. I didn't yeah. have second book syndrome. I had third book syndrome. It was so difficult, but you know what? I made my way out of it. <laughs> I remember, I, I tell me if we're not allowed to talk about this, but I think it should be fine. But um, that when you were first writing Foul Lady Fortune, like you wrote it with only one POV. Yeah. Like yes, you yes. only had Roslyn's point of view. And I remember when you came out of your room, like a few weeks later and you were like, I have to add more point of views. Like, don't even read the draft I sent you. Like, don't even worry about it. And I was like, what? And she was like, no, like, I need to, I need to go rewrite it. I'll be back. Yes, yes, I'll be back. <laughs> and that's, yes, that's exactly what happened. So I went through a really, really hard time doing the first draft of Fallity Fortune because I had the professional, like, pressures of doing a spinoff. Uh, and I had like a time constraint. So the first draft was literally one point of view. It was just Rosalind and it didn't hit the story right. Um, I got notes from my editor and I am just so blessed with an amazing editor. And she kind of got the skeleton of what I was doing. And she came back with these notes being like, I think you need to add so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so so that you're leading to this bigger picture of blah, blah, blah that you're ultimately getting at. And I was like, wow, you're so right. I have to rewrite this entire book. And then I rewrote it <laughs> in like a month or something because we, again, we were on a yeah. timeline as is what happens, you know, when you put books out one per year, which is normal in young adult. Uh, and I, I did it in a really, really fast time, but I was so passionate about this book that when I finished it, I was like, this made it so much better. And as we went through different rounds of different drops, it really hit the final form that it was supposed to be. And now I'm so proud of what Fat Lady Fortune is. I'm like, I'm really glad I went through that stress. However, I never want to do that again. <laughs> You're like, I've lived and I've learned and I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so for book two, uh, I am asking for more time if I need it. Like, I am not doing that ever again. I'm glad I went through that experience, but never again. You're good, right? Like, you're set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But I feel like that's, like, the thing about, like, writing on a professional level now is mm. that we can be, like, oh, my God, like, this could be better with all of these things that, like, your editor or your agent or whoever is saying. And you're, like, I would have never thought of that. Because, like, mm. like, by the time you turn in your final draft, you've done everything you can do 
on mm. your own. Like there's nothing else you can do at that point. But to get like another like professional perspective and be like, oh my God, like I can level up my story is like really like rewarding at the same time that it's like, oh my God, how did I turn it <laughs> in like this? I real I really love it. I really love knowing that when I turn something in, being the best that I could possibly make it be is that it's nowhere near the best it can actually be. Like it kind of feels right. like I've opened this kind of galaxy inside inside my head, inside the book, and that if you can accept that you yourself cannot make it the best that it can be, it really opens yourself up to like so much improvement, right? Because then all of these notes seek to achieve the book's final form. But you're not the one who can 100%. ultimately be the only one to push it there. All of these other voices and thoughts are the ones that can help elevate it. And of course, they have to be ones you agree with, right? Like you can't you can't have yeah. too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. If you have right. That's the other thing too that I've learned like now being like a published author is like before you're published, you're kind of like, oh, like I'll send this to anyone who will read it who will give me notes on it. Mm. Like, you know, because you just kind of want like opinions and stuff. Mm. Um so you get like a lot of beta readers a lot of critique mm-hmm. partners and so on. But like, once you get to like a certain point in your career, when you're like, you know, like you're regularly pushing out books, like one per year around that much, you're kind of like, okay, like, yes, like I'll have like my friends read it and they can like tell me like their thoughts and stuff. But like, when it comes down to like the nitty gritty of like actually getting notes, you're like, that's mm-hmm. my editor's job. And like, yes. they do it so well. Like you clearly yes. see them do it so well that you're mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily need a lot of different voices when my editor can mm-hmm. be like the one voice that will actually help me like get it exactly where it needs to be. Yes. And I think that's something like the two of us particularly learn and go through because we started, you know, as such young writers, especially online. And I think when mm-hmm. we grow up with that kind of, like, we grow up with resources. There are pros and cons in it because these kinds of resources helped us, like, love this craft and develop it. But you kind right. of realize that it, it it ingrained something in your head where you're kind of waiting for, like, comments. You're waiting for, like, different people to chime in. And then there's kind of a switch you have to make when you start doing it professionally where it's, like, you can't you can't immediately, like, rely on the serotonin boost of those, like, for right like myriad voices in that stage you kind of have to like learn patience and learn to take the kind of opinion that you think is worthwhile and that you ultimately trust instead of casting a wide net right you really start having to pinpoint things and understanding what your artistic vision is yeah and I feel like it's natural to start off that way because at that point in time you don't have a professional who can kind of guide you in those ways but having that professional really changes your perspective I think mm-hmm. on just like how to approach your writing and how to approach like revising and all of that mm-hmm. I also think it's really fun to start out that way and make that switch right because most times it's yeah because then you get to make so many friends yeah yeah how you make friends. it's how you get like it's how you support each other um when you're first all starting out together and you kind of lift yourselves up together right because you know our little our little group chat that me and Tashi are in, like we all started together and it's been so lovely to just watch everyone kind of like, you know, What's stomp so our way fun now? <laughs> Yeah. What's so fun now is that instead of like reading to like beta read, you read to blurb. Now you're like, mm. oh, I get to professionally read this and like be like, yeah, I think it's amazing. And actually everyone will know because it's going to be on the back of this book. Like, yes, exactly 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 it's it's like the community now like the the kind of sharing manuscript is for community and then you know finding the people that you trust for like the value is like it's that professional aspect yeah Yeah, 100 percent. and i think having that community is so great like for example like we're literally having like two we're having like a little get together um these next few weeks because we're all coming for Chloe's launch for Foul Lady Fortune, which probably will happen by the time this has happened. But we're all like, <laughs> you know what? Like like we get to support each other at like such grand things like this. Like, you know, like friends. being able to show that your friends. Oh. You know, I mean <laughs> they don't come to Barnes and Noble Union Square to anyone, Chloe. <laughs> um but like you know, being able to show up for your friends. In, uh, at events like that and support them and be like I was here from the start and like mm-hmm. just continue to see them grow is so mm-hmm. like 
lovely. Mm-mm. I think just having friends in this industry is so lovely. Like, I can't imagine going through it, like, without the friends that I've made, like, when I started out. Yeah. Like, for example, you know, when I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to do this podcast. And I was like, who should I invite? I was like, I'll invite Chachi. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, things like that. Like, where, like, you have, like, a set go-to, like, group of people that you're like, these are the people that are, like, have always been there and will always be there because we formed yeah. these, like, bonds together. Yes. Yeah. And I feel no, like I at a certain that. point, it's, like, you don't, you're not just, like, writing friends either. You're, like, genuine friends, Real like, that care buddies. about each other's, like, personal lives. Yeah. 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 Like, and it's past the point of just publishing. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of the times you, you imagine publishing as just, like, you know, it, it's, the, it's the career goals, right? It's what you ultimately want to achieve. But I think because publishing is something that mixes art with business and it's something that takes your own like creative force with something that you're trying to make a living out of, it's so important to have a sort of support because otherwise you can just feel like you're squeezing yourself dry like for the sake of it, right? Right. It's, it's, it's one of those tricky industries where there's so much crossover between personal and professional life. And because of that, like if you don't have like that support system, it can feel really, really lonely. So, you know, right. for anyone starting out, like, I, I think that's the best thing I could recommend. Like, you know, find find your support circle and they will be there for yeah. you when you need them. Yeah. And it's just so helpful in general, like, when you have any questions or thoughts or concerns, like, being able to, like, go to your group chat and be like, hey, like, what do you guys think of this? Mm, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's just there for validation. Like, sometimes it could just be the silliest yeah. question. I could be like, hey, guys what's the synonym for this? I don't think I've asked that right. in a while. I just, I can't think of what the latest stupid thing I asked was, but rest assured, I probably asked something really silly a while back, but. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like it's just, it's just like good to have people that you can go to for everything and anything yeah. you need. Everything yeah. and anything you need. <laughs> exactly. Wise parting words. On that note, I see we've reached 48 minutes. So I was finding a nice segue for our, I guess that was a little good segue. Yeah, that was a good segue segue. to be like, and on that note, thanks for listening. Right. (laughs) Well, thank you for inviting me to be on here with you, Miss Chloe. I had a fun time talking to you. I would, I, it is truly a pleasure and an honor. I always enjoy chatting with you as usual. True. Well, (laughs) everyone, Follow Lady Fortune is probably out now. So if you haven't gotten your copy yet, you should definitely go get it. And there's so many different versions, like a BNN version. There's like all these like subscription boxes, tons of versions. So go get your copy. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about upcoming episodes, to buy the books discussed here, and for more information about our sponsors, bookfinity.com and Buxton Books. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment. Cheers.